following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. All right, uh, I want you to think of your personal favorite way of understanding God. When you need to know God and hear from God and, and sense God, what do you think, how do you think of God? What do you think of God as? What words come to mind for you that, that have been formative in your life or that have been especially profound for you at one time or another for whatever reason? God is blank. What is the blank for you? You don't need to shout it out. Just get it in your head. You see it there before you? Now I want you to imagine you were somehow meeting somebody who had never heard of God. Uh, somebody our age uh, who has somehow walked decades on this earth and never, never heard of God. And what I want you to imagine is using that word that you just called to mind to describe God to this new person who's totally foreign to the concept. And I wonder how that would go over. Would that make any sense at all? Would it be very clear? Would it be deeply confusing. It's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? What would be the, if, if, if you could start fresh with this person who's never heard of God, what would, what would you say to them? What would be the first thing you'd say to them to help them understand God as you understand God? You might want to write those down. If you have a pen, write them down. If you have a brain, just kind of write it down in your head. How would you describe God to somebody who was coming to the concept completely cold? So we're starting this new series today called Speaking of God, and I want to start with a basic assumption, a very basic assumption, actually, but one that I think that we're, we're maybe not always aware of. And the assumption is this, that when we speak about God, we are limited by our language, Uh, to understand this, think about it on the most basic level. Think about teaching a child about God. What do you tell a child? Usually if you're telling a child about God, the first thing you'd say to her is something like, well, God made you. God is the one who made all of us. So God is a, a maker. But what does that mean, really? Or you might say, God loves you. That's very often the first thing we want somebody to know about God, at least how we understand God. But even love is, is a somewhat abstract concept, especially for children, and sometimes love and the idea of love is fraught with memories that aren't always positive and can be challenging. Maybe as a child grows older and gains a more expansive vocabulary, you can begin to, to uh, extend into some more abstract language, but ultimately, and here's the point, words are, are insufficient. They're incomplete. Think of your favorite person and how you would describe him or her. Um, you know, if I wanted to tell you about my wife, Tracy, I could tell you all kinds of things. I could talk for hours about what she looks like, all the things that she does that, that make me love her, the things that I've learned from her. I could tell you how great a mom she is to our kids. I could tell you about the incredible dinner she cooked us last night. I could, she's going like this right now. I, <laughs> I could tell you what she's wearing uh, so that you could recognize her. I could tell you she has green glasses. There's any number of things I could say, any directions I could go, but all of them are limited somewhat. None of them would be a complete picture of Tracy. The only way you can know Tracy is to know her. And I would encourage you to know her because she's literally the best person ever. Um, except Jesus. 
But Jesus like gets a, he doesn't even count on your li- our list of favorite people, right? The point is we're limited by language because every word is a metaphor at the end of the day. God is a blank, will only ever tell part of the truth, even if the word that goes in the blank came out of the Bible, which we consider to be God's truth. And by the way, this is not where the series is going, but th- that is why stories are so important, aren't they? Because words explain things kind of mechanically, even the fancy flowery ones, they're kind of, they, they, they fit into a hole. But stories tell us about God and who God is too, don't they? Just in a less direct way. So you can't limit your understanding of God to just the places in the Bible that say God is blank or God is a blank or God is even like something. The Bible has a lot more to offer that than that in teaching us who God is. But unfortunately, when you try to determine who God is based on stories, that's a little bit less mathematical, a little bit less scientific, a little bit more fuzzy, a little bit more literary. And so some people get really worked up about that kind of thing. And it's very challenging. You get in arguments sometimes because what I get from a story might be different from what Pat gets from a story. Um, And that's a problem sometimes (laughs) because we all want to agree and, and define things with similar terms. So anyway, this series is all about the words found in the Bible that describe who God is and how these words help us understand God, yes, but also how the words are limited and how any one of them alone is, is ultimately incomplete. And so we're going to do three categories of these biblical words in the next three weeks. This, this week, um, uh, we're going to start with God as a natural object. So we're going to go with the most distant one, the least personal one, uh, and we're going to end up with the, with the most personal one. So uh, this week is God as a natural object, and we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. Um, Next week, we want to look at some of the, the uh, personal metaphors for God, where God is a person, but not the parent ones, not the mother and father ones, because those are really close, and we're going to save those for the third week. So next week, we'll be talking about judge and shepherd and ruler and king and all of those things. Today, it's uh, the impersonal metaphors for God, the way the authors of the Bible describe God that don't actually require us to bring in our feelings about other human beings, <laughs> Right, so maybe this is a little bit of a gentle way to get into this topic. So as is so often the case, I need to make the same apology that we just don't have time to dwell on this and and hit everything that we might want to hit. So what I want to do today is just hit on a few examples from the biblical text um, of God being described as a, a natural thing. Not as a person, but as a, as a thing. And we'll have four examples that we're going to go through. And uh, you've heard some other examples in our songs. You'll probably hear some more in the songs that follow the communion. That was intentional, just because I want you to be exposed to all of these metaphors, as many of them as we can. What I want to do today is uh, get a little bit hands-on with this. And we have four sections of seating. And I'm going to give each section of seating an assignment and here's what we'll do. I, I want you to answer three questions. And what you can do, you don't need to like get into a big group. I want you to do this very like quietly. So you don't even need to move. You don't need to turn around. You don't need to talk to a stranger. You can either do this on your own, or you can do it in pairs, 
Or if you want to break the rules, and I know some of you will, you can do it in threes. Okay, But alone or in pairs, just the sections of the room aren't so that you can talk to people this time. They're just so you know which, which group you're in. Okay, um, And so extroverts, if you see a person in a minute doing this, that means they don't want to be your partner. Okay, <laughs> That means they're going to work alone today. Can you please be nice to them? Um, and, and if you're visiting with us today, this is uh, just one of a thousand different weird things that we do sometimes, but we don't do it every time. So if you hate it, just come back next week. It'll be different. All right. So here are the three questions. I'm going to give each section of the room a couple of verses to look at. And I want you to ask yourself and answer for yourself three questions. The three questions are this. Number one, how is God described in this passage? In other words, what is the metaphor we're digging for? What is the object? Question number two, when you think about God that way, what is reassuring or encouraging to know that if God is that, how does that reassure you? And question number three, um, what is challenging or difficult about that way of understanding God for you? Okay, those are the three questions. After I give you the texts, I will put them back on the screen so you don't have to write them down, but you do need to write down your biblical texts. There are Bibles under the chairs if my sons did their work. There should be some in the seat pockets here, but if they're missing, then um, there's a whole library cart full of them back there. If you brought a Bible of your own, feel free to use it. If you want to look it up on your uh, mobile device, ding, ding, that's fine too. All right, so this group over here, uh, your texts are 1 John 1, 5 through 7, and Psalm 27, verse 1. Just going to be real little snippets here, so it so it's going to be hard to miss the metaphors. Um, Ryan's coming around with Bibles. If you need one, stick your hand in the air. All right. And if you're new to the Bible, don't know how to find this, or old to the Bible and don't know how to find them, uh, use the table of contents. It's not cheating. All right. So, do you have your passage written down or memorized? Okay. Group two, right here. Um, your texts are Second Samuel twenty-two one through three. And then the second half of our call to worship this morning, Psalm 92, 12 through 15. So write those down or look them up and put your fingers in there. Got it? Group three, this section right here, the biggest group today. You have Deuteronomy 4, 23 and 24. That's an Old Testament book. And a New Testament book, the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, 28 and 29. Everybody got that? All right. I see a lot of head shaking in this section. Is this, this going to be a problem for you guys? Okay. <laughs> and group four uh, on this side of the room, Psalm 91, 1 through 2. One of my favorite psalms. My mom used to read that to me. And Nahum, which I think uh, is safe to say we have never studied here at Artisan. Nahum 1.7. We're only eight years old, so it's not like we've gone that long without studying Nahum. <laughs> I don't know if the lectionary hits Nahum very much. We should look into that. All right. You got it? All right. So, Ryan, put the questions back up there for them, if you will. Again, you're working alone or in pairs, answering these three questions. And I'm going to give you 
between five and seven minutes to do that, okay? Any questions? Let me know. How's it coming? Just take a, maybe a couple more minutes. I went and saw the babies. Well, we <laughs> okay, does anybody need more time? You're all fast Bible students, right? All right. Let's start with group one. Group one, um, how much, uh, can you put group one on the screen again, Brian, for me? Um, so that other people can see what it is. Oh, he's holding a baby, sorry. <laughs> She's cute too. I'm making him use a mouse with his left hand. <laughs> All right. Um, would it be... Well, let's, let's not do, we don't have time to do that. I was going to say we could read the passages, but let's, let's not do that. Just tell me, how is God described in these two verses or passages? As light. God as light. Was there a, a phrase that was especially powerful in one of those things that you want to shout out? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That's a very famous verse. So, Going to our questions, what, um, what's reassuring to you or encouraging about God as light? You can see when it's on, right? <laughs> um, and seeing is good, right? We don't like to be in the dark. All right? Anything else? About light, I've been. It's be, it's better than dark. Yeah, I've been um, reading. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's some encouragement that comes with with the idea of being in the light, being illuminated, rather than being in the darkness. Is there anything that's maybe discouraging or challenging about God as light for you? What's that? Nothing is unseen. Ah, okay. I was going to ask you to explain what you meant, but I think I know. <laughs> Even the things you want to be hidden <laughs> are seen in the light, huh? Interesting. Oh, to not get in the way of the light and throw a shadow. Interesting. Okay, the 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 uh, the one from the John First John um, passage made it clear that it is possible to stray outside the light, and then you are in darkness. So the fact that there is light there means that you you could be out of it. Interesting. Okay. So light is very impersonal, right? You can't necessarily speak to a light or know a light. 
Yeah, interesting. Interesting. The properties of light can be bad, did you say? Yeah. Oh, bent and, and uh, like a prism. Yeah, interesting. So light is maybe not as sturdy a thing as we want to imagine God being. Interesting. So you see how, how these roads all kind of go when you, when you start thinking about the consequences of, of understanding God as blank, in this case, light? Um, thank you for sharing all that. Thank you, guys. Uh, group two, you had God as what? A rock. Rock! Yeah. Was there one or, uh, one or the other of these that really kind of grabbed your attention or, or a phrase or a couple of words around rock that seemed really reassuring or, or especially interesting? So it's connected in one of these passages to, to being a fortress or a shield. All right. So what's reassuring um, or encouraging about God as a rock? And this, is, this one is all through the Bible. I, I edited heavily on this one. I could have given you a dozen passages. What's reassuring or encouraging? Yes. It's constant. Mm-hmm. What else? You can what? You can hide maybe behind a rock or if it's carved out, you could hide in a little cave. Okay, so it's like a, like a hiding place. Interesting. Cool. What about anything that might be negative or discouraging or worrying about God as a rock? What's that? Rocks erode. Wow, that's some heavy-duty science there, Grant. You're 10, right? 11, pardon me. I thought you were going to, you know, being an 11-year-old boy, you were going to talk about, like, throwing rocks. No, he goes straight to the, to the earth science. Rocks erode. Interesting. I had never thought about that. Usually you think of rocks as very strong and permanent, but they do erode, don't they? can be intimidating, hard, painful. What if you're a ship? <laughs> I don't do big boats, but I have a kayak, and I don't like rocks when I'm on the water. <laughs> They're unmoving. Anything else you want to say about God as a rock? Cool. Thank you. Let's move on to group three. Group three, God, in your passage, what was God? A fire. God is a fire, and you said the word devouring. Wow. So probably not a campfire. Okay. Is there anything um, encouraging or reassuring about God as a fire? Shane.
interesting. God wants all of us, this consuming, devouring, fiery presence. And that's intimidating, but it's also nice to, to know that God wants us. That song that we sang earlier said, He's jealous for me. Kind of, yeah. Okay. So as a, as a consuming fire, he can consume anything that's not in accord with his will, anything that's contrary to him, um, anything that's evil. And that passage, as you, as you brightly point out, is about idol, idols, idolatry, I was going to say, but specifically idols being consumed and burned up. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. Right, right. This is a very um, accessible one at this time of year, especially with what's happened out west. Yeah. So, the, I mean, obviously, we don't, that's a negative thing, what's happening out west. So, what are some of the concerns you might have about a God who is a consuming fire? Is that necessarily, maybe it's not a pleasant metaphor? Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, those are some, yeah, uh, hard to control, maybe impossible to control, can change in the blink of an eye, could turn back on you in a second, and you'd have nothing, no, no defense against that. Yeah. That's a scary God in some ways, right? What's that? Fires can die out. Interesting. Yeah. So if, if you like the properties of fire, if a fire is keeping you safe and warm at night and it dies out, that's not, the, that's not a good thing, is it? Yeah, thank you, Josiah. Anything else about God as a fire that you want to shout out? Let's go to group four. Group four, what was, uh, what was your metaphor? God is a what? Shelter mostly, and a fortress, right, okay. Um, uh, other texts that might have fit in here might use the word refuge. So God is a shelter or a fortress or a refuge. What's reassuring about that? Safety, yeah, you feel safe in a place like that. Uh huh. Yes. Did you all hear what what uh, Marielle just said? Like that. The, these metaphors, all of them that we've looked at today, and all of them in this category, are nice because they're not personal and they're not tied to gender or age or ethnicity or any of those things. Um, so. Yeah, you don't have to imagine, I love what you say, you don't have to imagine God as, a, as an old white guy <laughs> in the clouds. Yeah. Is there anything that's maybe challenging or discouraging about God as a shelter? Ah, the fact that we can't protect ourselves. 
needing needing a shelter implies some lack of independence, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right. Being in a shelter means you're cut off and you can't interact with the world around you. I mean, think of a storm shelter. You're, you're glad you're not in the tornado. Um, but if Auntie M doesn't make it in, then... Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're skipping along a, a yellow brick road with a scarecrow. And where did that come from? I don't know. Yes, if you're thinking of the fortress and stronghold side of things, it can be very intimidating. And uh, maybe it's not very comfortable for some of us to think about God in, in warlike terms. Right. So if you're not in the shelter or you're outside looking in, especially if it's a fortress, that's not a good thing either. Yeah. Great. I love doing this kind of thing because you, every one of you groups came up with something that I would never have put into a sermon. So thank you all for sharing that. We're running a little bit long and our, our children's uh, volunteers are probably going to have my head on a spear outside a fortress somewhere. I don't know. I've been reading too much Game of Thrones lately, but um, I don't recommend it. Um, this has been wonderful to hear your perspective on this. Uh, has it been helpful to you to think about and to, to recognize the, the vast, wide, different ways that... Uh, the Bible talks about God. Actually, I should say the authors of the Bible talk about God. I don't like to make the Bible into a person. It's not like the Bible talks out loud, but um, if you catch me saying that again, you can correct me. Um, two things I don't like to do with the Bible. I don't like to make it into an adjective, and I don't like to make it into a person. Anyway, um, that having been said, uh, thank you for your contribution to this. Let's pray together, and uh, then we'll take communion. God, we give you thanks for the words of Scripture, for the inspired authors who shared them with us, uh, and our access to it. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who speaks to us through the words of Scripture, speaks to each of us in a different way, Lord, and um, even though that gets messy, sometimes we are grateful for the insight that our brothers and sisters bring to these things. So we pray that today uh, and the weeks that follow would be a an opportunity for us to know you more, to know you better and more fully and more deeply. And for that, we give you thanks through Christ our Lord, in whom we place all our trust. Amen. Well, God has revealed to us in the words of Scripture. God has also um, beautifully revealed to us in the breaking of bread. Jesus himself said um, that, that uh, we would know him in this way remember him in this way. And his disciples who would celebrate this together would say, uh, remark how, how they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. Um, communion at Artisan is an open table. Anybody who's following Jesus um, is welcome to participate in this sacrament of the church. We practice intinction, which means we tear off the bread and dip it in the cup. We have both wine and juice. Whatever's more appropriate for you and your family is the one that you should use. If you'd like prayer, uh, that will be happening up here in the corner. We'll continue to worship him in song as well. But our table is open. Come and receive this gift, this spiritual food, the body and blood of Christ, sacrificed for you for the forgiveness of sins.
Let's continue to worship him together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.